Hello and welcome back, podcasts, to episode six of Professional Coaches, Personal Friends. Today, Stephen and I are going to have a chat about emotional intelligence. Now, as we mentioned during this, there are hundreds and thousands of books and articles discussing emotional intelligence. And in this, we've only got 40 minutes, so we're only scratching the surface. But it's a topic definitely worth digging into. And Stephen references the daddy of them all, the, the book which sort of started this all off, Daniel Goleman's book, Emotional Intelligence. However, two things to call out which came out from our chat. Firstly, emotional intelligence is not fixed early in our lives. It can be learned when it's absent and it can always be improved upon. I think this is important because emotional intelligence and IQ tend to get brought together a lot or compared a lot. And IQ is one of those things which tends to be fixed early on, whereas emotional intelligence is something which can always be improved upon. Secondly, whilst there are libraries full of books and studies on this topic, and the book which started this all off was about 30, 40 years ago, everyone has been using this for years, including you. I reference Aristotle as part of uh, this conversation. But in truth, you know, all major philosophies and all major religions to some degree have been using this. So even though the books on this are quite recent, this is something that everyone has known about and everyone's been using for years and years. So although we all use it, it is clear that we have an opportunity to use it better. And one strong tool that will help is the importance of a big purpose and having a big goal. That's always a bit of a recurring theme in, in our chats with Stephen. Secondly, emotions shouldn't be judged or suppressed, but channeled effectively. And this is why it's pointless trying to stop caring as a way of stopping your emotions. And Stephen talks about this really well. I've covered this topic a few times with Stephen. I remember clearly he introduced some of this framework to me in our very first session years and years ago now. But every time we do come back and we have a look at this, I seem to learn something new or I seem to remember something better, which helps me be a little better. And I hope this episode has the same effect on you. I enjoyed it. Hope you enjoy it. Here comes the cheesy music. (laughs) So... During this period of time, I've been at home and I've gone through lots of cupboards and I've read lots of books. I've done lots of tidying up. And one thing I came across, and I was very proud about it at the time, I remember, was a certificate from Mensa, you know, the High IQ Club. And I remember at the time thinking, that's it, I'm done. I am going to be hugely successful because I've got this sort of super duper IQ. But then... That was about the same time that all the books started coming out and telling us that IQ wasn't the most important thing anymore. And it's EQ or EI or, yeah, emotional intelligence or emotional quotient is the most important determining factor for future success. What's your take on the difference between IQ and EQ? Do you call it EQ, emotional quotient, or is it emotional intelligence? Well, how's your best description of it? I, I tend to refer to it more as emotional intelligence and in that I think, first of all, it's the it's then something to work with. It also, by its title, uh, acknowledges the relationship between emotion 
and intelligence, so how you're feeling and how you're thinking. Um, so, so for me, that's more of a practical definition of the type of work that I will do, which is to help people develop um, a stronger level of, of, of emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is, is how well you use what you've got, which is why you know the greater predictors of success, happiness, health, all these things will say that it's more about your emotional intelligence. It's how you use what you've got rather than just gathering more. Is emotional intelligence just empathy? That's probably not a broad enough definition for emotion or, or not accurate at all. Um, emotional intelligence really starts from the, from the inside. You know, the book on emotional intelligence, which is, and there's been hundreds of books written as variations on the book uh, of emotional intelligence, and that's with Daniel Goleman and, and Richard Beatsis, who are recognised as the sort of the guys who brought emotional intelligence to everyone's awareness in a way that everybody just went, yeah, I get it. And if people haven't looked into emotional intelligence, they really should. And not just because they'll pick up some new stuff. The first thing they'll get from it is an understanding that they are already emotionally intelligent and it's something they can become more emotionally intelligent in. It's just they haven't necessarily been aware of it. And I don't know of any situation, any conversation, any happening at all that it does not involve a level of emotional intelligence for it to get to a successful outcome. To, to make the kind of science of it simple, the, the definition of emotional intelligence is choosing the right emotion or emotions to the right degree for a particular situation to get to the outcome that you're looking for. So choosing the right emotion yeah. to the right degree for a situation to get to the outcome you're looking for. So this is the Aristotle quote, which I've got written down. He says, anyone can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry at the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, in the right way, that is not within everybody's power and is not easy. So basically, if you are 100% emotional intelligence, then all of those boxes that Aristotle's given us uh, would be ticked. Yeah, and that's why it's so valuable. It's, it's, you know, people will see others who are emotionally intelligent to higher degree and they will use, they'll not necessarily say they're very highly emotionally intelligent. What they will say is they're mature, they're composed, they're considered, they all seem to hold it together. They seem to know how to say the right thing at the right time in the right way. They don't sweat the small stuff. They don't let people push their buttons. All those things are the demonstration of your level of emotional intelligence, which is choosing the right emotion to the right degree for that situation to get to the outcome you're looking for. Yeah. So I used to put it into my head as shorthand, is that say IQ is book smart and emotional intelligence would be, let's say, street smarts. But it's not, is it? That's it's more book smart and self smart rather than street smart. Does that make sense as a as a shorthand description? Yeah, I mean, it, it puts the emphasis on practical application. Yes, you know, um, it, actually, emotional intelligence is really part. If you can imagine your emotion, uh, the level of your emotion, and the level of your intelligence. Um, 
know, for, for everybody, your emotion kicks in a split second before your intelligence does, which is why emotional intelligence is so vital to understand because everyone's emotion kicks in a split second before their intelligence does. So your emotion, you get a feeling about something and then your intelligence arrives to rationalise why you feel the way you feel. Yeah. And then therefore you're emotionally driven. And emotional intelligence is your ability to hold that emotion just for the split second, allow your intelligence to come in so that it's led by your intelligence and then driven by all your passion and emotion and desire behind it, um, rather than emotional reaction, intellectual justification. I've just shouted at my kids. And then your intelligence comes to say, well, they shouldn't have done that, or there's a lot going on, or I'm under pressure, and you rationalise why you've just done yeah. something emotional, uh, as opposed to being able to hold on to that emotion and allow your intelligence to come in to say, my kids have got to learn. You know, this is an opportunity for them to learn. Therefore, right, okay, my desire now is for them to learn something. Yes. Emotional intelligence is really practical. It's, I think it's an important thing to, to note because it's emotional and intelligent, it just sounds a little bit airy-fairy and nebulous and, and something which is a nice to have maybe. But actually, th- this, is, this is the playbook you go to for practical. And all the things you've just spoken about there. So, as you know, I said, I did a little looking into this evolutionary psychology. And of course, you've read the books like the Thinking Fast and Slow I mean, this is one of the things he talks about with level one and level two thinking, isn't it? You know, you have that immediate reaction. You don't know why necessarily. And then, as you said, your, your, your rational brain comes in and says, oh, no, there was a really good reason that emotion was the one you went to. And it will make, some, make something up. Read about these split brain studies where people just rationalize all types of behavior in a, in a way that they totally believe themselves. So but when I've been reading all of these studies then about how to improve your emotional intelligence there is this understanding that because our brains are were built for when we were fighting saber-toothed tigers and we had to be careful about everywhere we, we we stepped on it was right that emotion was always that quick witted one because we needed those instant reactions sometimes to save us from saber-toothed tigers and stepping on something but nowadays, because we need to be more rational, the trick is to not let your emotion control your whole mind and your whole behavior. The, the real trick in emotional intelligence, it's about controlling your emotions or keeping your emotions under control. Uh, I, I would, that is a level of emotional intelligence. Um, I, I would go further and, and where it gets really exciting and, and makes such a difference is the application of it more to channel those emotions rather than control those emotions um, so that you get beyond the judgment of is this emotion a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. Well, it depends on which way you've got it facing. you know. And if you've got it working against you, it'll work against you. If you've got it working for you, it'll work for you. So the, the practical application of it is having a channel and a direction for that emotion, which is why... If I go back to, you know, it's choosing the right emotion to the right degree for the situation to get to the outcome. First of all, if we take choosing the right emotion, this is about managing the emotion, not suppressing it. Yes. And not judging it as right or wrong. It's managing it. It's choosing the right emotion for that situation. That allows you then to use that emotion to manage the situation, which then in turn will influence others. 
to manage might have so fatigued the sort of you know burning building situation. If there's a fire in the building, if a, if there's a waste paper bin went on fire, you know what kind of emotions are going to come out? You know you're going to have a bit of fear, a bit of anxiety, a bit of concern. You might also have a bit of excitement. You know, <laughs> this, this Tuesday is going to be different. I'm you know? glad you said that because I was thinking excitement straight away, and I thought, oh my god, that makes me a bad person. So that's good. <laughs> There, there could be a bit of frustration. I had plans, yeah. a bit of disappointment. This will be over soon. <laughs> and, you know, there's a whole raft of emotions. But if you have a desired outcome in mind, so if there's a, if there's a fire in the office, the, the, the outcome that you're really wanting is to get everybody out of the office safe and sound. Yes. So out of all those emotions, you know what emotions are right for that situation to, to get to the outcome you're looking for? So panic is probably not going to get you there, but a little bit of urgency is. You know, it's not about being completely calm, although a bit of composure would be good. But, you know, if you're too calm and say, well, look, everybody, once you've finished your calls, you know, if you want to just make your way out just whenever you can, look, get me out of that building. Yes. But get me out in a way that's safe, secure, composed, calm, in order that we're not creating other issues. So choosing that emotion, that raft of emotions of calmness but urgency, understanding the importance and the risk in the situation but remaining confident and clear in my communication, that allows you to manage that situation with that calmness but that sense of urgency. What then happens as a consequence is you then influence people to be calm but urgent. Yeah. Because if you allow your emotions just to go panic, you will manage the situation with panic. You will then influence others to feel panic. And then it's then it's a whole load of other situations go wrong. So it's really important. It's managing it is by having the right emotion to the right degree for that situation to get to the outcome that you want to get to. So that and that's that's a good I like that idea then of the channeling and controlling and the management. Because when I think a lot, and it's probably my bad reading rather than the bad teaching or the bad writing is sometimes it's in your example what you're saying is is if you're aware of the five or six or ten different emotions you actually choose the one therefore which is going to help you you're not ignoring you're not suppressing the rest you're making an active positive choice and then you're channeling that aren't you so it's not you're not feeling this of course you're feeling it you're allowed to feel it that makes sense that you're feeling it but I don't need you today. <laughs> what I really need is, as you said, I, I need a little, it's a bit like a recipe, isn't it? You know, I've got these 10 ingredients, but today I'm making a cake. So therefore, these are the ones I'm going to be using. And that's going to be the successful outcome I'm not going to need. Another day, I'm not going to use a bad, I'm going to go be making quiches and bread and everything by the time I finish it. But it's, it's an understanding when you when you read the books about emotional and conscious, you have like the lizard brain, which does all the quick decisions for you. And then the rational brain comes in afterwards and says, yeah, 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 absolutely. It makes total sense for you to do that. That's who you are. What you're sort of saying is, is actually you just take a second and let the, and let the rational brain just take control instead of following afterwards and sweeping up. And let it go first. I mean, what happens with your emotion and your intelligence and understand the relationship between the two? Once your emotion exceeds the level of intelligence or outcome that you're aiming for, everything becomes emotionally driven. Say that again? 
if your emotion exceeds the level of intelligent connection to an outcome, you know, which is why we sweat the small stuff, you know. So if if we're feeling really, really emotional, uh, and and just just to put this into context, what I'm not saying is emotional decisions are bad and intelligent decisions are good. Some of the best decisions I've made in my life have been very emotional decisions, costly, <laughs> uh, huge roller coasters, uh, but hugely exciting. Your wife listens to this, I can tell. Yeah, um, a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the intelligent decisions I've made have been very considered, very composed, but probably not the most exciting. Probably a little bit less risk, and maybe not almost the most memorable. And so it's it's understanding that there are emotional decisions and there are intelligent decisions, but getting beyond that one is right and one is wrong or one is better than the other. It depends on the situation. The people I love working with most are the ones who've got loads of emotion and they're also intelligent because then you're working at you know top levels of things. They're doing something they really, really care about and they're also they're smart enough to want to do it yeah. better. The, and also the people that I work with who have had a lot of time being criticised for being too emotional. Now, I don't have the perspective that you can be too emotional. You just need to learn to channel it. So, Because once that emotion is gone, you lose an awful lot. So how I think I describe this, which obviously is always going to be a bit more simpler than your way, is... Star Trek, isn't it? So you've got the Captain Jim James T. Kirk, yeah? (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Isn't it? And then you've got the Vulcan on one side. Spock, yeah. And then you've got the Doctor on the other side. And The the Doctor's name is Bones? Yes. You're thinking thinking, Scotty's the... Scotty's the passionate Scott in the in in the engine room. Everybody should have one. Everywhere, exactly. He's probably the one driving everything, really, making sure that the Star Trek. So Jim Kirk is every man. He gets the view from the intelligent. He gets the view from the emotion. He makes a decision, and then both of them say, "Yep, don't worry, boss. We're right behind you." And he goes to the platform, shoots somebody, kisses the alien, comes back again. They live to fight another day. The point about it is, is if you are emotionally intelligent. And just to use your example, you're really lucky if you've got a really clever Spock next to you. You're really lucky if you've got a really highly emotional Bones next to you. The challenge then for you is to take the time to listen to them both and then say, thank you for that. This is the correct decision for us now to make. And that's internal. It's having your, and this is what being emotional intelligence about, is recognising and listening to your emotions also listening and recognising your intelligence and also listening and recognising to where you really want to get to within yourself so that you can choose the right emotion to the right degree for that situation to get yourself to the outcome you want to get to. But what what the key to all this, you know, and, and if you manage your emotions, it allows you to manage a situation which allows you then to influence others. And if you are managing the situation towards a desired outcome, you will influence people towards that same desired outcome. Yeah. And in my work with emotional intelligence, this is where it actually begins, is having a desired outcome. Yeah. Because unless you have a desired outcome, all you've got is emotion. Yeah. And if you have to decide on what's the right emotion for this situation to get to the outcome I'm looking for, 
If you don't know what the outcome is or you don't have an outcome, then you have very little chance of being able to choose the right emotion to the right degree for that situation to get to somewhere that you don't know what it is. And this is why we end up sweating the small stuff. If you can imagine that the size of the outcome, that you first of all, you've got to have an outcome. Otherwise, you can't be emotionally intelligent because if you become disconnected from that outcome or the outcome is not significant enough to you, all you're left is to try and manage and curtail emotion. But you'll not know the right ones to the right degree. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed by emotion or not overwhelmed is an emotional word, and that's not what I mean. It's if I'm feeling that, let's say, my emotions are, are, are leading too many of the decisions at this moment in time, then what you're saying is, is my desire, I'm not in touch with the desired outcome. Let, let me, I'll try to think about this in a different way. If I'm getting emotional about something small and silly, so for example, road rage, or simple, you know, not road, you know, road annoyance rather than, let's say, road rage. That's emotion, to, that's emotion leading, because obviously rationally we all understand that it's silly to get annoyed about somebody cutting you up. We all understand that isn't a good reason to be annoyed. What, is, what am I doing that's allowing that emotion at that stage to be controlling my mood? And how would I decide that is, is one question. So that's sort of a small example. And then another one I'd like to get to is when you talked about those people you like to work with who have loads of emotions. Maybe I'll come back to that one. But the first one then is when I'm feeling annoyed, by, I know small things, but my emotion just seems to dominate my head at the moment. What's that about? It's the context you've got and the relationship between your emotion and the size of the outcome you're connected to. If you get so annoyed when someone cutting you off on the freeway or the motorway or whatever, it's because you've lost connection of why you're in the car in the first place. Where is it you're headed to? Why is this important to you? How does this fit within your bigger journey? Yeah. And, and if you get kids in the car, you know, you've become disconnected from your, um, your role of being someone who's leading by example. And, and you're maybe not appreciating or valuing all, the, all that you have around about you. Uh, and certainly you're not appreciating the fact that at least you're not that person. So it's that disconnection from something bigger. Then all you've got is emotion. So remind yourself, as you said, I, I'm a teacher. I'm a role model. Therefore, this is a really good reason just to let this, just to let this slide. Yeah, but you sweat the small stuff. when you, If you can imagine, put us into context, if you can imagine two elements, you've got the size of the outcome that you're connected to, and then you've got the size of your emotion. And given that your emotion can be a very variable thing, someone cuts you off, someone pushes your button, someone says something, someone doesn't say something. All these things will make your emotions rise and, and, and be fluid. If you do not have a container, if you do not have a, you know, if, if you can imagine you have a barrel in the back seat of your car, yeah. and if your emotion is all the way up to the top of that barrel, as long as you're driving straight and slow and careful, you're fine. As soon as you hit a couple of bumps in the road or have to take a couple of unexpected turns, that emotion starts to spill out of that barrel all over the car. Or in practical terms, you take it into the next conversation and mm -hmm. it spills out all over the next person. And they're looking at you saying, are you okay? Yeah. 
because what I've just said does not merit that amount of emotion in the response. But that's now because your emotions are exceeding the container with which you're working. And so if the container is your size of your outcome, it's having the connection to a bigger outcome, a bigger sense of purpose. That allows you to have a whole load of emotion in there without it spilling over the top. So when we talked about the, the fire in the building, I liked as a fact it's actually in this barrel that we've got in the back seat. There's also, you can have a choice sometimes of the emotions in it. So I think a, a good example um, I heard recently is somebody saying that they were in a massive traffic jam. They realized they were going to be half an hour late for their meeting. And he was trying to be grateful. And it was like, how, you know, how do I turn this into a gratitude practice? And he eventually said, how lucky am I? that I live in a city so vibrant and so economically strong that everyone's trying to get to work at the same time as I am that day. And I just thought, again, I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an attempt. It was a good, strong, hard attempt. But I did like the idea of the, when he was feeling that this emotion was bubbling under, it was, first of all, you know, how do I try to manage that? One, the emotions within the barrel. And I'm sure you've also uh, got to make a bigger barrel. And I think this is what I find most interesting about your approach when you talk and, you know, when we've spoken about this in the past and you've touched on it already is that you love talking to these people who have an, a, ma- a massive barrel of emotions already is that when I, was, I did this Buddhism and psychology and stoicism courses, and a lot of them are about managing your emotions being self-aware of your emotions learning to, to to spot them and to deal with them the analogy or the metaphor that i've used was it feels like what they are suggesting is that you are you know, you're in a zoo and you've got this huge lion run running around and sometimes if you're not careful the lion's going to jump out of the cage and and he's going to create mayhem around your life and it feels that when I do these courses and you do meditation, etc., this is about how you turn your big lion into a domestic tabby. What I like about what your approach is, is that, no, no, no. It's great that you've got that big lion, you know, in, in, in your life. It's how you're channeling it. I think that was the word you, yeah. How, I, how you channel that lion to get to, to help you achieve the things you want. Is that a fair, is that a fair difference? Yeah, yeah to, just to touch on that, to relate to that analogy, rather than making the big cat into a small cat, is calm the big cat. You know, calmness is an emotion, so choose that emotion. The, the, the risk that I have, and I've worked with a lot of people who initially their interpretation of emotional intelligence or manage emotion was to suppress it. Yeah. And all this does is it forces it forces your emotions back inside you. And that goes into places that it really shouldn't go. That's not healthy, you know, and this is where stress comes from. It's where cholesterol levels, all these kind of things, not good. Ulcers, uh, being run down, all your energy just to try and suppress emotion, which eventually is just going to spill over everywhere or go so deep internal that it will cause issues, serious issues. Being able to sort of suppress these emotions, not a good thing. Where a lot of the teachings are is to stop the layering of emotion. And and this is about the acceptance that it's okay. 
as opposed to I shouldn't be feeling this and therefore I've got frustration on top of fear and then I'm a bit angry with myself and, and then the layers continue and all you do is inflate you know, what was a tabby cat into a massive cat. So the, I'm all for the very quickly getting to acceptance of the emotion but not to try and suppress it in some way that you're judging it that it's wrong or it's bad. All emotion is good if you get it pointing in the right direction and channeling it. And some of it can be really considered. You know, the, the example I, I, I used to use with people is that if they worked for me and I'd given them a piece of work to do and they came into the office and they say, that piece of work, I haven't got it done. And I just go ballistic with them and I'm throwing cups and all sorts of abuse at them to get this done and threats and everything else. You remember. So all all those things. They would probably score me very low on my emotional intelligence and my emotional self-awareness. If they come in the next time and they still hadn't done this piece of work, but this time I just go very cold on them and I almost say nothing and let them walk out in a stony silence. You've probably been there before as well. Again, they would probably score me low on my emotional intelligence and self-awareness because neither of those two things are actually going to be very productive. But if they come in a third time, and this third time I say, look, you and I need to talk. Look, I could go ballistic with you because I'm raging that this hasn't been done. I could also go very cold on you and kind of give up on you and think, my fault, I shouldn't have given it to you. You're not, you're not quite there yet. But what I really want to do is get the message across to you how important this is and how important it is that you do it. And I really want to work out what do we need to do to make sure you get this done because you do need to get this done. Now, on that third occasion, they're more likely to score me higher on my emotional intelligence and self-awareness because I've explained to them that I'm choosing the right emotion to the right situation to that degree to get to an outcome that I want to get to. But I might have actually been emotionally intelligent the first two times. But because I didn't provide context, I just looked as if I was raging the first time and as if I'd given them up, given up on them the second time. That's what I say. So if they had have done it the first time, then you're an emotional intelligent genius. Well, that, I've chosen the right emotion to the right degree for that situation with that person to get them to do something. So because they didn't do it. Therefore, you didn't get the outcome you required. Therefore, you need to go back and think, what should I have done differently? Okay, but if they had have done it, then you could say, hat tip to yourself. But if I really want them to understand the emotional intelligence to begin with, I need to provide them with context. And I'd have been better going to the third place the first time. But it all starts with having an outcome, Warren. The important thing of this is having a big enough outcome. This layering then. So I think that's I think that's a good distinction then. So what I was saying was that things like meditation, etc., they're designed to help you almost shrink the lion to a cat. What you're saying is, is no, this is about allowing the, the lion to be a lion and nothing more. To understand it's a lion and to maybe to have some control of it, not to let it go out of control. Accept it and build something big enough that a line's okay to be in. I think that's that's the difference then, I think, is I feel that a lot of emotional management, it's all about, you know, new to your lion, in a way, just to keep poor, this poor old lion who's wandering around in his cage and now we're neutering him and we're trying to make him into a tabby or not. 
so two things on this. So first one is this layering. We've spoken about this before, and I think that you, you, you talk about an example about how an initial emotion can suddenly layer up into something much, much bigger. So the idea of emotional intelligence is you understand that at the first level, so you stop the layering, and therefore that goes out. Yeah, and, and, and those steps are really important, and it's first of all knowing you're emotional. Yeah. But the second thing is to name the emotion so that you're objectifying it, so you don't need to keep feeling it. You've now named it. You've now taken ownership of it. But the third step is really important, which is accepting it. It's actually okay to feel that emotion. In fact, even to go further and say, thank goodness I feel that emotion uh, and, and, and accept it. Then to breathe and, and do nothing because that allows your intelligence to get ahead of your emotion and then make a decision, which is an intelligent decision. So what emotions to the right degree do I want to apply here yeah. to get to the outcome I really want to get to? We've got lots of visual imagery going on today. I don't know what we've both been having for brekkie, but there's something strange. So to go back to your, to go back to the car with a barrel full of emotion in the traffic jam in the city, Next to our kids, I don't know, I can't remember now, there's a, and there's a lion up the front, something anyway. One of the things I think that you, you highlight really well, and I think is really, and is, is strong, and it isn't about calming the lion down or shrinking the lion. It's about making that barrel bigger or making the cage bigger, making that desired outcome bigger. Is that, what's the best way of describing that then? So, if I've got a big emotion, it's yeah. yeah, don't don't let it go out of control. So that's I think that's one key thing is is don't let it layer up into something even bigger than it is. Allow it to be big, but house it differently. Is that is that the right summary? Yeah, look, I mean, if you're going to manage an emotion, it's the first thing you've got to have is a desired outcome. And if your outcome is a size seven and your emotions are to a size six then you'll remain strategic, calm, composed, and emotionally intelligent because you're in, your outcome is bigger than the size of the emotion. Yeah. If, however, your emotions are a size six and the size of your outcome is a size two, then you have got emotions spilling out everywhere. Yes. Now, if you have no outcome whatsoever, you would only need your emotion to be a size one and you're still emotionally driven on everything which is why we tend to get caught out so much sweating the small stuff when someone will say, Warren, have you got two minutes? And you're taken into an office and you have no idea of an outcome and someone's just going to throw something at you. So you have, and, and unless you can connect already with a bigger sense of outcome, all they're going to get is an emotional reaction yeah. because you have no clear outcome. But if you're aware enough to say, wait a minute, what do you want me to do about this? What is the outcome you're looking to aim for, which then gives you an outcome where you then be a more emotionally composed and emotionally intelligent? So if I don't give a damn about something, then whatever emotion I'm feeling is just going to decide, decide how I act. Yeah, look, you've been in enough meetings that when someone's turned up to that meeting who has no connection or value with the outcome that everyone else is trying to get to, they just become a loose cannon. Yeah. They become disruptive. They just throw stuff in from all angles because they have no vested interest in the outcome. 
So they have nothing to determine the right right emotion to the right degree for that meeting to get to the outcome because they have no connection to the outcome. It's why it's really important to have the people around about you, family, colleagues, team members, boardrooms, very clear on the outcome that we're trying to achieve so that we can make more emotionally intelligent decisions rather than just emotional preferences. So the outcome has to be as big as possible and then it is easier for each of us to control our emotion because I'm just thinking about this, the, the, the bigger picture, the bigger context that you're talking about. And that can be different for everyone in the room. There's, there's, two, there's, there's two important options on this. If the outcome is big enough for everybody, fantastic. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter that everybody sees the same picture. In terms of your emotional intelligence, it's, it's the scale of the picture. Yeah. If it's big enough. If it's big enough to house all the emotions involved, then it's big enough. However, this is not to pretend that something that isn't actually that big by is about inflating it into something that's pretending it's bigger than what it is, you know, making it into a bigger issue. This is about seeing something that might be moderately, you know, small, but seeing it within a bigger picture, I will still remain composed, strategic and clear in my thinker. It's the same with your kids, family members. My oldest son was going through a process of trying to get his next role and you desperately want him to get that next role. And all your emotions, are all, the, all his frustrations and disappointments, which he's dealing with really well, I'm 5,000 miles away and it's breaking me up inside. However, I know the bigger picture is for the next 10, 15 years of his life, him understanding how to do this rather than me stepping in and doing it for him, him doing it is which allows me to hold those emotions where I am enough to allow my intelligence to get, to get ahead of those emotions and know that that's the right thing because there's a bigger picture. Yeah. So this is almost the importance of a good meeting set up, a good, a good kickoff set up, a good week set up, a good email even is, we should talk about this another time, is context, consideration and conclusion, because I think this is a, a great model. Um, but that whole idea is that if you want a group of people to work together and using their intelligence more, but let their emotion be a fuel, not the something they're trying to keep down and keep out of the way. And if the vision is big enough, if the story is big enough, if the goal is big enough, if the purpose is big enough, if the reasons for them getting involved are big enough for them individually and not, then you're going to see the best of them. And it's a bit like to use the example you used um, of if somebody calls you into a room and they ask for two minutes of your time, in, in my head I was thinking you have different scenarios. If it's somebody you like, you, you'd give them two minutes, regardless of their seniority to you or to not. If somebody would spoke to you who you hardly knew, but they mentioned a project that you thought was really fascinating and interesting, again, you'd be there. If you were asked the same question by somebody who was three levels above you, you would give a very different response to somebody who, let's say, gave you response three levels below you, maybe. So if I was being asked a question by somebody who I regarded as very much my junior, somebody who wouldn't have an impact in my life. I realized this was a chance for me to be a good role model, for me to share some understanding, for me to give them a strategic insight into the business. 
I would answer very differently to why are you wasting my time with this is I would see this as a learning, as a role modeling opportunity. But to do that, I would need to put my emotions to one side and let my intelligence kick in and say, Warren, even though this feels like it's a waste of your time, if you think about it, this is an amazing opportunity to use your time. Yeah, yeah. And, and also what affects things, your emotions, Warren, is not even just in that person or the situation, although those things do. This will to be determined by the, the call of the meeting you've just come off of or the call of the meeting you're trying to get to. Yes. You know, or what's going on at home, what, what, what you think's going on later on or you know, how the figures are going on in the business, how your relationships are, and your perception of why is this person wanting two minutes? Are they trying to catch me out? Are they trying to make me aware of something? Are they about to pick me up on another thing that I'm not doing well or they don't like? Or are they trying with the best intentions to help me? So you have a whole myriad of emotions, which is why suppressing emotions is it's suboptimal. It just causes issues. It's really important to have that ability to say, I'm allowing these emotions, but why am I here? What am I trying to get to? You're right. So to use the, to the road rage example, if you have let it spill in, then you're rude to the barista when you're getting your coffee. Maybe not really rude, but you're just not being as friendly as you could have been. And if you had been a bit more friendly, then they would have been more friendly. And then it, it, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy isn't it the happier and the more positive you are you will tend to get better responses which will improve your emotion and your mood absolutely yes because you're going to you're going to carry that about with you and then spill it over someone who probably doesn't deserve it it's just once your emotion subsides and your intelligence then gets to look at it does everything become clear emotional intelligence is having that ability to think clear on live tv yes it's having that connection to that bigger picture as consistently as you possibly can so that you have you can allow all that emotion to flow without having to suppress it or being told you shouldn't feel this way or it's not helpful bringing all these emotions. Yes. Well, channel them. This live TV, this, the ability to deal with this in real time is the key because you touched on it earlier and, and this is what all the books say as well is you will post-rationalise your response. So you will look back at everything you've done and said, I did that for a really good reason. And it's really hard for us to, to, to pull that back. So the trick is to get it right at the time. You will rewrite the book yourself and say, all of my behavior was justified when I look, when I look back at it. But actually the key is, is be right at that right time to use the original quote is to be you know, to feel the right emotion at the right time, this right way to the right people. And to your point, to the right purpose. And if that purpose is big enough, it makes everything else better, it makes it easier. If you've got that big enough goal and purpose that you're aiming for. You'll be capable of amazing things. Um, the bigger the sense of purpose and outcome you've got, because you will just develop such a level of emotional intelligence that everything will be channeled effectively rather than the exhaustion of suppressing emotions or the cost of just spilling your emotions everywhere. You know, one of the key things that people will do in the suppression of things, um, I, I tend to meet people on two levels of the emotional spectrum at the very beginning. They're in a place where the bigger picture is not big enough 
and they're hugely frustrated by that. You know, the picture they're looking at is so small. They're hugely frustrated. They're really disappointed. Things are not fulfilling their aspirations or it's not how it should be or a relationship is not going where it should be. And what they go into that place is, right, I need to try and care less. And they go into that process of trying to switch off emotions. I'll try not caring so much. I will withdraw. You know, you and I have had conversations about this recently. I will withdraw from that situation and then they'll appreciate what was being given. So what we do is we try and switch off those emotions and take ourselves out of range. I've done this too many times in too many meetings. So initially what you will do is get a little bit ease because some of that frustration and anger will will reduce instantly because you've told yourself to care less, you've detached. But then a whole load of other emotions come on. You're frustrated about that. You're angry about that. It's not fair. You're disappointed. You then feel rejected. All these other emotions will then come up. So now you've got even more emotions. So the suppression of it is... It's a fallacy that you're going to try. And, and I, I hope I never meet people who successfully learn how to care less. What a shame. You know, we're a long time gone. You know, so while we're here and we care, let's channel that emotion. And if we can do that, it's fantastic. And then I meet people that the other perspective and what they're doing is they are losing perspective. They're telling that the next thing is absolutely crucial. This is a pass or fail this is and this next thing just has to happen and everything becomes crucial like a champagne cork of emotion getting rammed into this bottleneck and that is because they're not connected to a big enough outcome they bet everything on red or black as opposed to realizing that there's a whole number of pathways with this there's a whole number of things that can happen even though it might be disappointing or hugely exciting it leads on to something else. If it's part of a big picture, you put it into context. You have a healthier perspective of things. You look more with the end in mind rather than every next thing being crucial, which is absolutely exhausting. And the reward you get is you get to climb something else. And then again, and then again. So having that big outcome helps with your emotional intelligence. It gives you that perspective. It actually makes managing your emotion the right emotion to the right degree for a situation. Yeah. It makes it pretty clear, a lot easier and more obvious. I think that's really good. That sense of a strong enough purpose gives you that perspective, which therefore makes everything else a little easier. And that's we'll take that, wouldn't we? <laughs> we'll take that, make everything a little easier. Yeah. Well, see, this is the thing, Warren. People think that setting goals is hard work. The hard work is what you're left with if you don't set goals. Because if you don't have an outcome to begin with, it's really, really tough with not much upside. But if you have goals, you have that bigger sense of purpose, that bigger outcome, the emotional intelligence comes. You don't sweat the small stuff. You're playing a bigger game. You know, you're aiming for something that's a lot bigger than what's in front of you. And therefore, if it's big enough, of course you're going to stumble every now and again. You might get a bit out of breath every now and again. You might feel a little bit, can I do this every now and again? Yes. But that's part of the journey. So don't panic.
So there you have it. That was episode six. I really enjoyed this. This is about channeling emotions to help you to achieve your goal. It's very practical. Stephen makes this clear. And then linking back to the big goals and having a big purpose makes so much sense and stopping us sweating the small stuff. Anyway, if you've got any thoughts, you've got any questions, please get in contact. Our email address is podcast at coachpro.online. If you want to hear more about CoachPro or you've got some ideas or questions, please let us know. We'll be delighted to hear from you. Okay, talk to you next time. Bye.